Good morning. Everybody still good? It's Monday. The tiredness is starting to uh, maybe set in a little bit. Uh, we had a big, we had a soccer game yesterday and it went two hours. And I was like, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to stand up tomorrow. Uh, but yes, by God's grace, here I am. And so I'm glad to be here. And here you are. And so God is faithful. So uh, in just a minute, we're going to do our second session on God's faithfulness. Uh, but before we do, let me open us in prayer. Dear Jesus, we are so grateful for who you are. We're grateful for your love to us. We're grateful for the ways in which you provide for us. Lord, you are lavishly generous with us. Uh, Lord, we look around and we think, what are we doing here? Uh, God, there are lots of people who have lived at different times and in different places in this world who have not had these kinds of resources or uh, abilities to experience and enjoy life. And Lord, you still provided them with joy in, 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 in your own way. And you're faithful to them. And Lord, you've been faithful to us. And so we just want to stop and say thank you. Uh, God, you are a great God. And Lord, I pray that today as we open your word, that Lord God, as we work through this together, Lord, which of us can really understand what it means for you to be faithful? Uh, for you never to take a day off. You never slumber or sleep. You're never not on the job. You're never doing exactly what needs to be done. Uh, God, we are, even young men grow tired and weary. Uh, youth stumble and fall. But you, Lord, and those who wait upon you, we renew our strength and we mount up with wings as eagles and we run and don't grow weary and we walk and don't grow faint. And so, Jesus, we just want to thank you for being uh, on watch all last night while we slept. Thank you that this morning when we woke up, uh, you were ready to meet us. Thank you that as we come in today, uh, Lord, you have already been preparing and planning what you want to have happen this morning. And that somehow, uh, Holy Father, you're going to knit together our stories and our lives and the things what you have to, to be ready to hear your word today. And so, God, I just pray that you would give us eyes to see, give us ears to hear what you have to say to us today. So we thank you for your word. We thank you for your people. We thank you for the opportunities to celebrate the fact that you are faithful. Lord, I pray again, uh, if there are particular testimonies that you have prepared for this morning among those who are here, that you would give them the courage and the freedom to share that, uh, that we all might be blessed. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. All right. So if you remember, our format is we're going to kind of uh, thinking about God's faithfulness. We want to start first with a sort of an Old Testament uh, image or an image that comes out of the Old Testament of God's faithfulness. And then we want to look at a New Testament text that asserts God's faithfulness in a particular area. And then again, Lord willing, if you're willing and able, we'd love if God lays on your heart an opportunity for you to share, again, just like we did yesterday, which was great, just a minute or two, just to testify publicly uh, to the faithfulness of God uh, in your life. And so as we go along, you'll kind of see what the theme is uh, for today. And if you have something that the Spirit places on your heart that you'd like to share, we'd like to leave a few minutes uh, at the end in order to do that. So I got to start here uh, with a video. So uh, let's run the video and uh, you can watch this with me.
You're expecting something big in the video, aren't you? And what do you think you just saw? Old Faithful. How many of you have seen that in person? Yeah, yeah, good number, good number. Yeah, so Old Faithful, uh, in 1872, Yellowstone became the world's first national park, uh, in part because of Old Faithful here. Uh, And this is the first named geyser in the world. And apparently Old Faithful erupts around 20 times a day, every day, over and over and over again. And it's estimated that it has erupted some uh, over a million times. Uh, I think it's since the park's been open. or So yeah, since the creation park. So in 1872, a million times. Now we went to see Old Faithful in 2021. Uh, and if you've been there, you know, it's obviously it's a pretty cool thing. And so uh, my daughter, Abigail, decided she wanted to film this. And so they give you a window that you're waiting for Old Faithful to erupt in. And so she got out her phone and uh, the window started. And so she started her phone and she kept recording and recording. And it was just a little bit of steam coming out and recording and recording and nothing. And I don't know about you, for those of you who've been there, for me personally, I'm like, maybe this thing's not gonna go off. Maybe like this is the one time, you know, it doesn't work. Like Old Faithful's out of order this week or whatever, we gotta get this fixed. So she's recording and you hear on the video, it's really cute. She's like, oh no, my battery's died. And so her battery dies. And then of course, Old Faithful erupts. (laughs) So uh, yes, very cute. But the idea is, is that, you know, it's not exactly happening at the time that you might expect. Even when I went on uh, the webcam for that video, you know, they announce, uh, you can watch live shots of Old Faithful and they announce you know, it's supposed to go off, and I think it was 426. I was writing it on, I was writing this talk on April 24th. And at 426 p.m., it was scheduled to go off. And then I just sat there staring at the screen, and I was like, did my computer freeze? Like, is this not going to happen? Is this not working? So I'm not, you know, the most, um, I get agitated. So I was like, well, I'm going to go do something else. So I'm <laughs> working on something else. And then by the time I look back at the screen, yes, Old Faithful is already, uh, you know, erupting. And so, The powerful thing is we think about an image uh, when we think about faithfulness. 
is in the Old Testament, God often ties his faithfulness to creation. So in Psalm 19, uh, 1 and 2, the heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. It goes on to say, there is no language on earth in which their voice is not heard. And if you think about it, every day since the creation of the world, this planet has been uh, announcing God's faithfulness. Psalm 119, verse 90. Your faithfulness continues through all generations. You established the earth and it endures. You ever think about that? How many people are on this planet? Like 7 billion, 8 billion, something like that? The fact that this planet can still support life, the fact that for all these years and all, this, all the harm we've done to this planet, all the things that we've done here, the fact that the rain still fall, the, st- the ground still produces life, it's really fascinating and amazing to me that this planet continues to exist, that despite our best efforts, we have not destroyed this thing. And what the Old Testament says, this is an image of God's faithfulness, that he is steadfast, that even despite all the stuff we've done, this planet continues to do what God created to do because Jesus sustains it every day by his word. So when we said, you know, we woke up this morning, Jesus was waiting for us. Well, not just for us, he's up all day making sure this planet didn't fall apart and that we have a place to live when we got up and that every breath we take, Every raindrop that falls uh, is because he's faithful. Psalm 146, verse 6. He's the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He remains faithful forever. Even though we've had droughts and there are forest fires and there are hurricanes and there are tornadoes and there's all sorts of difficult things on this planet. Life continues to survive here because God is faithful. And so as you think about an image, it's aptly named Old Faithful. As you think about God's faithfulness is that uh, he is always doing what he said he would do, which is to provide life. Now, the reason why Old Faithful is a little bit tricky, I didn't know this, I did research for this sermon, is that apparently it follows a bimodal pattern of eruption which means the second eruption, the next eruption is based on the first one. And I don't know that we know exactly why it does it this way, but the first eruption, if the first eruption is short, then the second eruption happens sooner. And if the first eruption is long, then the second eruption happens later. And so that's why they can't give you the exact time that Old Faithful is going to erupt. Instead, what they do is they give you a window. And I think it's usually like plus or minus 10 minutes. And again, For our family, when we went there, again, we thought maybe this thing was broken. It's not going off because we were late into the window. But sure enough, uh, it went off just like it does 20 times a day for a million times since 1872. But in this, I think, is an important lesson for us that we're going to talk about when we get to our New Testament passage. But when you think about faithfulness, faithfulness is not the same thing as control. So saying that God is faithful does not mean he is going to do everything exactly when and how we want him to do it. And the idea of faithfulness from old faithful from creator out. 
not this week, thank, thank Jesus, but we've had some dry weather. And the question becomes, we can't make it rain, but it's going to rain. Why? Because God's faithful. It's just we're not in control of if, we have to wait for the when. That's what we mean when we think about faithfulness, is that sometimes we can accuse God of unfaithfulness because just like when we're sitting there waiting for old faithful to go off, we think, oh, maybe this is the time God has failed. Maybe this is the time that God has not shown up. And we just want to come at this from the point of view of when you think about faithfulness, it's not a matter of if, but it is a matter of when. The promise of God is that the if will happen. It will happen. But we're not in control of the when. We're not in control of the how. We're not in control of some of the details. And so as you think about Old Faithful and the idea that, you know what, it's going to go off, it's going to erupt, but we don't get to control when that is, and all we can do is kind of give our best guess, it's probably going to be in this window. So it is with God's faithfulness. We can hold on to the fact that God is faithful, but that doesn't mean we get to control when he does what he does, how he does what he does, or even what he does. So with that in mind, would you turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Second Corinthians chapter 1. The setup for this passage is that Paul has planted the church in Corinth. Okay, this is one of his church plants. And he feels responsible for this church plant. And so he likes to go and visit the various churches that he plants uh, in order to strengthen them and encourage them. And so he's been to visit Corinth. We know that. He's already written them one letter, which was 1 Corinthians. And then he's made plans to visit them another time. But as he's getting ready to go visit them, God makes it clear because of some stuff going on in the church in Corinth that Paul is not allowed to go visit them this time. So he writes 2 Corinthians instead. So 2 Corinthians is written in place of Paul's visit that he had promised he was going to make. Now, as you can imagine, that opens him up to the charge of being unfaithful. And so Paul really starts this letter by talking about the fact that God changing his plans does not make Paul unfaithful and even more so does not make God unfaithful. And so let's listen to the passage starting in verse 18, 2 Corinthians 1. But as surely as, what? God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no, for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me and Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him it has always been yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, 
and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. I call God as my witness and I stake my life on it, that it was in order to spare you that I did not return to Corinth. Not that we lord it over your faith, but, be, but we work with you for your joy because it is by faith you stand firm. So the accusation against Paul is he's been unfaithful. You said you were going to come and then you haven't come yet. Now the truth is he will end up coming, but because of stuff going on in the church in Corinth, he's got to have to, God's changed his plans. And so this opens Paul and God up to the charge of unfaithfulness. And so Paul has the opportunity to talk about God's faithfulness. And the particular thing that he is saying God is faithful to in this passage is that God is faithful to keep his promises. God does what he says he's going to do. That's the whole conversation about yes and no. When God says something, it's not, well, yes, might happen or no, it might not happen. In Jesus, everything God says is always yes. He always keeps his promises. But just like with old faithful, there's often some twists and turns. There's often some challenges with, well, we know God will do it because he said so, but when and how? So Paul does end up going back to Corinth. It's just under different circumstances than he originally thought he was going to go there, but he's like, that doesn't nullify God's faithfulness. And the fact that the Corinthians had sin in their church and Paul says, look, if I show up now, I'm gonna have to show up in discipline and God didn't want me to do that. So I've written you this letter so that when I do show up, it can be a blessing and not a punishment. Those of you who have children may have had this experience where you have two of them who are off having a disagreement somewhere. And you might take another one and say, you should go tell them to stop. Because if I have to come, that's not gonna go well. That's what Paul is doing. He's writing this letter to say to them, hey, look, knock this stuff off. But that doesn't nullify God's faithfulness. And so this gives us the opportunity to think about how God is faithful to do what he says he's going to do, even though there may be some twists and turns in the process. So let me show you a couple examples of how this works from the Bible. <clears throat> I'd love for you to be thinking when it comes to time for testimonies, are there ways that God has been faithful to you to do what he said he was going to do even though it didn't turn out exactly the way you thought it was gonna turn out in the timing or in the manner? So a couple of examples from the Bible, a couple of uh, examples from uh, my life I'd like to share with you and then we're gonna give you a chance to share a couple of examples. Genesis chapter 12, God makes a promise to Abraham. The Lord said, had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Do you hear God's promise to Abraham? This is a beautiful promise. I'm going to make you a blessing. I'm going to make you into a great nation. I'm going to cause you to be the source through which all peoples on earth are blessed. That's a fantastic promise. The problem is, remember the story of Abraham. Abraham. 
Well, he doesn't have any kids. So at first he's like, well, what about like my nephew Lot? Could he count? Well, we got to go through a couple of chapters in Genesis 13 and 14 where we find out, no, it's not Lot. What about Eleazar, my servant of Damascus? Could he kind of be the one that God uses? We got a couple of chapters where no, that's not the case. Sarah comes up with this idea. What if we have a baby uh, kind of uh, with, why don't you have a baby with somebody else? Does that count? And so we get Ishmael and we go through some chapters with that. And then finally we get Isaac and that's beginning to fulfill this promise. But then all of a sudden the Lord's like, well, sacrifice Isaac. What? So Abraham offers him up on this mountain. And then after that, he gets Isaac back and then Sarah dies. And Abraham gets remarried, has uh, some more kids. Um, but then we're like, well, that's not a great nation. Where's the blessing? Where's this happening? Well, then uh, Abraham, we go to Isaac. From Isaac, Jacob. Then Jacob, we've got, you know, his 12 kids, uh, his 12 sons. They go down into Egypt. And then how long are they in Egypt? 400 years. We're still waiting on this. 400 years. And then Moses comes on the scene and God uses Moses to lead them out of Egypt. They get to the edge of the promised land. I'm going I'm to give you this land. This is what they're waiting for, this promised land. It's called the promised land because God made Abraham a promise. They get to the edge of the promised land and the Israelites are unfaithful. They don't have the faith to go in. So then what happens? Got to wander in the wilderness for another 40 years. All their grumbling and complaining gets Moses in trouble. Moses dies, doesn't get to go into the promised land. God raises up Joshua. They go into the promised land. They go to Jericho. They march around the walls of the city. The walls fall down. Wonderful celebration. They go to this tiny little city of Ai. And Joshua's like, we don't need to send a whole bunch of troops up there. We'll be just fine. They go up to Ai and totally defeated. And Joshua falls down before God and was like, you failed. You didn't do what you said you were going to do. And whereas I would expect God to be like, now, now, Joshua. He says, get up. What are you talking about? You stole my stuff. You were unfaithful. And Joshua's like, I wasn't unfaithful. And he's like, somebody in your camp was a guy named Achan. He stole stuff out of Jericho he wasn't supposed to have. And as a result of that, I was not able to go with you to the next town. And you can't win even a tiny battle without me. So Joshua confesses and they make it right. And they defeat Ai and then Bethel. And then they defeat all the kings in the land. And you go through the book of Joshua and it's a little bit of mind-numbing detail. As we go through, they conquered this king and this king. And there's lists of kings that they conquered. And then you get to this passage in chapter 21 of Joshua. At the end of the conquest. So the Lord gave Israel all the land he had sworn to give their ancestors. And they took possession of it and settled there. The Lord gave them rest on every side, just as he had sworn to their ancestors. Not one of their enemies withstood them. The Lord gave all their enemies into their hands. And then look at this last line. Not one of all the Lord's good promises to Israel failed. Everyone was fulfilled. But it's not a matter of if... But it is a matter of when and how. And so God made promise to Abraham and we went through a long journey. But when we got to the end and looked back, there were more twists and turns than anybody could have imagined. But the verdict is, but God was faithful. God did what he said he was going to do. 
Consider this example from Lamentations. Lamentations, we fast forward many years. The children of Israel have been rebellious and so God sends them into exile. And in Lamentations, Jeremiah writes, Restore us to yourself, Lord, that we may return. Renew our days as of old, unless you have utterly rejected us and are angry with us beyond measure. And so Israel's been totally unfaithful. And so God kicks them out of the land. And we got to go through the stories of Daniel and his interactions in all the book of Daniel. And we got Esther and what she's doing and going on in the book of Esther. And then we got Ezra and Nehemiah, Nehemiah bringing them back into the land and sort of building the, building the walls and then Ezra bringing them back uh, and, and building the temple. And it's 70 years that they're going through this until we get to Ezra chapter three. With praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord. He is good, his love towards Israel endures forever. And all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. This is the second temple. So Solomon builds a temple. That temple gets destroyed as they go into exile. But God's faithful. He promised them that they would return. He said it's going to be 70 years. Twists and turns they weren't expecting. But when they get back and they dedicate the altar, they give thanks to the Lord because he's as good. His love, his faithfulness endures forever. It's not a matter of if, but it is a matter of when and of how. Or consider the Messiah. Abraham has another promise that all the nations on earth are going to be blessed through him. We've got to wait a thousand years until David comes along. And God says, finally, I've got a man to lead the kingdom of Israel who's a man after my own heart. And David decides he wants to build God a house. And God says, you're not the one to build me a house. I'm going to build you a house. And David means a building and God means a dynasty. And so God says to David, I'm going to give you a son. And that son is going to have an eternal kingdom, an everlasting kingdom. Second Samuel 7, this is the first announcement of the Messiah in history. 2 Samuel 7, God makes a promise to David and says, I will give you a child, a son, and my love will never be taken from him and his kingdom will endure forever and ever. This is the great hope of the Jewish people. This is the great hope of the New Testament, Messiah. Messiah to come and set all things right. But was it Solomon who was the Messiah? No, Rehoboam, who's the Messiah? I mean, how many kings of Judah do we have to go through until finally there's no more kings anymore, but God is still keeping track of who is the rightful king so that he can go through generations in the exile and keep track of until we get to finally Joseph, Jesus' adoptive father, and then when Jesus comes on the scene. Has God been faithful? Did God provide the Messiah? Has God done what he promised he would do? Yes. Did it happen in anybody's time frame? It wasn't a matter of if, it's a matter of when. God is faithful to do what he says, but him being faithful doesn't mean it's gonna happen on our timetable. It doesn't mean it's gonna happen in our way. I'm holding on to this truth personally. Uh, about seven years ago, 
Uh, I've written a couple of books and they tended to be the kind of books that pastors write, which are sort of nonfiction books that tell you sort of how to live godly lives or explain theology or those sorts of things. And there was a subject that the Lord had laid on my heart uh, about pride and humility. And so uh, I was like, okay, I felt like I was supposed to write something on that. And the Lord was like, yeah, yeah, we're not gonna do it that way. We're going to write a fiction book about pride and humility. And I was like, oh, no, 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 Lord, I'm not a fiction writer. Like I, I appreciate fiction writers, but that's not what I do. And he's like, no, this is a, he's like, trust me. So that's been seven years. I've been trusting him on this journey. He's made some promises. To be honest, I'm still waiting for some of those promises to be fulfilled. The journey has had more twists and turns than I could possibly imagine. And at this moment, I have some evidences of his faithfulness, but I'm holding on to this promise that it's not a matter of if, but it is a matter of when. And okay, Lord, help me to just keep putting one foot in front of the other. This has been much harder. It's taken much longer. It's been much more discouraging than I ever thought it would be. I mean, come on, I've got a promise from God. Who doesn't want to take the check to the bank and go, look, God said it's going to be great. And I do believe that God is faithful. But right now, I just want to be honest with you. I'm holding on and saying, okay, Lord, I know you're going to do it. Please help me not to lose faith. This is the faithfulness of God. We want to be able to say, no, if God said it, then I get to control when it happens and how it happens. But that's not what the faithfulness of God about. The faithfulness of God is, did I say I was going to do it? Yes, Lord, I will do it. You're going to have to trust me. This uh, January, uh, we got some really great news. My wife uh, has an uncle that, how long have you prayed for him? 10 years. So at our church, we had a thing where we were kind of, we were uh, taking a list of people and praying for uh, some non-Christians who didn't know Jesus and just agreed to pray for him every day. And so uh, Lisa has uh, an uncle who had uh, walked away from the Lord. And so she decided to pray for him. Now, I, this uncle is fantastic. He's so great to talk to, but just not, <laughs> not interested in Jesus because he's already sort of done that. Sort of he'd been on that path and sort of accepted that and then decided that wasn't for him and sort of was, yep, that's not for me anymore. And so we'd had so many conversations with him. To be honest, I basically gave up. And I was like, I don't think this is, I don't think this is in the cards. Uh, but Lisa, my wife, was like, no, I feel like God's got something he wants to do here. And so she prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. Uh, and this past January, uh, she was... In, uh, she was out uh, on a trip for a board that she's a part of and she heard that this very uncle was in town and so they end up having lunch together and he says to her hey uh, I know that you've been praying for me I just wanted to let you know that I'm choosing to believe and I haven't got rid of all my doubts and I'm still struggling but I'm choosing I'm getting up in the morning and I'm choosing to believe <clears throat> even more radical than that uh, so he kind of decided that the faith thing was not for him for many, many years. And so the problem was is that his children sort of grew up in that environment where he had rejected all of this. And so I think both Lisa and I would agree that his oldest daughter, neither one of us had enough faith to pray for her. We just thought this one, that's hopeless. <laughs> like there is no chance that she, I mean, just how antagonistic and how just completely totally opposed to Jesus she was for really her whole life and then the craziest thing uh just this past March just this past March 
uh, Lisa's mom was like, I got a miracle to share with you. And she shows us a video of Lisa's cousin getting baptized and renouncing her satanic ways and the stuff that she had promoted. Uh, it was unbelievable. And you just think, man, thank you, Lord. And I'm ashamed to say I just, I, I never. I mean, it's an Apostle Paul-like thing because you're like, if you had to pick the person that I thought was least likely to ever name the name of Jesus in any sort of real way, she would have been at the top of that list. But God's faithful. Now, I didn't have a particular promise that he was going to save her, but I do know that he's faithful to pursue the lost. That's what he's promised to do. And that he's promised that there is nobody he will not continue to go after. And he continued to go after both the dad and the daughter. But it's not a matter of if. He does those kinds of things. But when and how? And so many other times I'm like, Lord, if you would just do this, I'm sure they would believe. But apparently not. (laughs) But he knew what he was doing. So when we think about the faithfulness of God, I got one more observation here from our text before we give you a chance. If you'd like to share a story, perhaps you have one as well. Notice that it says in 2 Corinthians 1, now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and then look at this phrase, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come see the powerful thing for abraham is you're like well okay great so all those promises got fulfilled and yes he's in heaven and yes i'm sure he's very happy but he didn't get to see any of that but that's not true what did he get to see he got a baby right a miraculous child he got a piece of land he got to experience some of the blessings of god do you see this it's a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance god gives us the holy spirit and there's two things to sort of say about this number one if you've ever bought a house and you had to put down a deposit or you had to buy something big what happens if you fail to make the payments what happens to your deposit you lose it do you understand what god is saying what has he put down as a deposit on his promises the holy spirit And what will happen if he fails to keep even one of those promises? He'd have to forfeit the deposit. Do you understand this? The unity of the Trinity is what guarantees what we have coming. Is that he cannot not do what he said he was going to do or he will lose the Holy Spirit. You can't, it's not possible. This is how ironclad these promises are. And so he's given us the Holy Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing. This is why it says even when we're faithless, he remains faithful because why? He cannot deny himself. He is one with the Spirit. They cannot be separated. And so he gave us his Spirit as an ironclad guarantee. I'm going to do what I said I'm going to do. 
I said I would supply your needs, I will supply your needs. I said I will make you more like Jesus, I will make you more like Jesus. I said I will set you free from the power of sin, I will set you free from the power of sin. Now it may not be in the way you think it's gonna come and there may be twists and turns and it may not happen at the time you think it's going to happen, but the ironclad guarantee, the guarantee for which he cannot give up his own spirit is I will do what I said I was going to do. And that's why Paul says, look, the promises of God are always yes and amen. They can't be anything else. The other thing, the Holy Spirit is a deposit. When you put down a deposit on the house, what happens? You get to start using the house, right? You get to start, even though we haven't seen the fulfillment of all of the promises, the blessing of God is that through the Spirit, we begin to see part of that fulfillment. Now, you picked yesterday for our word amen. I told you, hold on to that. That's fantastic. You see amen in here. The word amen comes from the Hebrew word aman, which means faithfulness. This is our word. God is always yes and faithful to all of his promises. This is why we say when God makes a promise, we say amen. We're affirming he's faithful. It may not look the way I think it's gonna look. It probably won't look the way I think it's gonna look. It's probably not gonna happen in the timing I think it's gonna happen in. But when God says the peace that passes understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, the peace that passes understanding will guard your mind and heart in Christ Jesus. And every time publicly, I want to say this, every time I thought like old faithful, oh, this is the time God's not going to do this. This is the time he's not going to show up. I just want to affirm in retrospect, he's always shown up. He's always done it. Different than I thought it was going to be. And I still got a whole list of things I'm waiting on. But to be honest, the list of things I'm waiting on compared to the list of things he's already done, the list of things he's already done is just a lot longer. And the list of things I'm waiting on, I'm waiting on in faith. So as you think about Old Faithful, you might have that same experience with a natural phenomenon and you show up and you're like, well, maybe it's not gonna work this time. And we always think that. But then you see it and you see it again and again and again and you think, okay, I don't know exactly when it's gonna happen, but I know it will. So it is with God. Sometimes with the promise of God, it just seems too crazy. This couldn't possibly be the case. And you stare there looking at the promise and you go, well, maybe this is the one that's not gonna work. Maybe this is the one where it just it won't apply to me. It'll apply to everybody else, but not to me. But then he does something. And again, and again, and again. And you step back and you say, you know what? It's not a matter of if, it will happen. I just don't know when. So I've left a few minutes does anybody have a, a thought about a way in which God has been faithful to do something he promised to do? Probably with some twists and turns that you didn't expect. So if you will, just a minute or two, raise your hand. I got one down front. Thank you very much. And uh, hopefully my stories of God's faithfulness encourage you. I hope the others in stories of God's faithfulness encourage you as well. I'm terrified of public speaking. So if it sounds like I'm going to cry, that's just how it sounds when I public speak. <laughs> uh... I'll do the long story short. Um, I am a doctor and to become a doctor is at least seven years of training. And I have always wanted to do this, very young age. Felt forward 
push forward for it, like, yep, this is where God wants me to go. And took a lot of twists and turns. Uh, didn't do well on some entrance exams, so I went to a Caribbean medical school. Okay, that sounds fun. Third world country, why not? Uh, oh, and failed a semester while in medical school. Okay, not too bad, just one semester. Oh, and I got to take another exam because there's a lot of entry exams. <laughs> there's a lot of them. So had to wait for that. Uh, then I'm sure there were some other things along the way. Um, and then in a very dark time of my life, didn't get into residency and had to wait an entire year before I could even try again. Um, during multiple stages through all that, kept thinking, maybe I'm not in the right path for my life. I must be doing something wrong because if this is what God wanted for me, it wouldn't be so hard. It wouldn't be so tough. But I kept praying through it, saying if, the, if I'm not supposed to go this way, if this was just the path so I can meet certain people in my life and I need to take a different direction, just show me. No direction was shown, so I kept going through it and obviously I finally made it to the end, but definitely a lot of uh, twists and turns, probably at least an extra two years of twists and Amen. turns in there. So. Thank you. Thank you for testifying to God's faithfulness. I got one in the back. All the way back, yep. Yeah, you know, you're exactly right. We think that because God said it, it should just go smooth and easy. And it can't possibly be this hard. And if it's this hard, we must not be doing it right. And occasionally that is true. Like we've kind of, we forged our own path. But more often than not, when God tells us to do something, it's because it's way beyond what we'll be able to do on our own. And because he wants to carry us through it. That's a great word. Thank you. Yes, I just wanted to share. Um, I just grew up in a house where my mom was a believer and my dad was not. So um, just as a young child, always just praying for my dad's salvation. Um, and just thinking over time as a child, like, God, this is never going to happen. You know, just a very hard, cold heart, um, very critical man. Um, but my mom shared with me when we were babies, I believe God gave her a promise um, through a woman at church, just prophetic words that her house would be in order and um, just the faithfulness of God. And my dad finally gave his life to the Lord um, and was baptized I'm sorry, in 2018. And just to see like my dad and my siblings and me just loving the Lord and God's faithfulness in that. Amen. Amen. Thank you for saying that. <clears throat> one more and then we're going to stop for time. So I got one more right up here. Yep. Um, thank you for that. You know, I, I want to say that God makes promises in his word, but God is not limited in his speaking just to his word. And that God can speak through people, God can speak through uh, sermons, God can speak through prophetic words. However, he, when he makes a promise, now we may like, was this really a promise? But if he says it, it will come to pass. So thank you for sharing that. All right, one more. 
So our journey to become parents didn't um, go as we wanted. Like Jim said, there were lots of twists and turns and heartache, um, but we clung to God's faithfulness. Before we lost our first baby, um, we were studying Abraham, and we knew we couldn't really claim like that we would be promised a baby, but we could cling to like the Lord's faithfulness. Um, and long story short, we lost three babies. And the day it was just a routine ultrasound, we found out we had lost our third baby, and we had to go back the following day to have it removed, not it, <laughs> the baby removed. And um, I couldn't sleep that night. And it was like, um, I just I opened the Bible. And I was like, there's got to be something in here. And it was the Lord's prompting to just, the Lord's faithfulness that prompted me to turn to Samuel. Hmm. And I read, I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him, so now I will give him back to the Lord for his whole life over to the Lord, and I will worship, and he will worship him there. And I know it's like out of context a little bit, but I felt like the Lord was whispering to me in that moment, um, you prayed for this baby, and I gave this baby to you. Um, and now you can, it felt like I was giving that baby back the next day. And I could, we had a choice to worship him there. And only through God's faithfulness, we were able to like worship him through that season. And time and time again, we saw his faithfulness um, and kind of the sweet little cherry on top. We lost, we named that baby Sam um, for just the sweetness and the way God met us that night. But we lost Sam on May 17th and we have four kids now. And that's faithful, um, so faithful of God. But on May 17th, that was one of, God, one of our due dates for our babies. And we just felt like it was the Lord like whispering that sweet faithfulness into our lives that he can redeem even the most dark, broken day and Amen. turn it into just something that is hopeful. And um, yeah, we still have people that come up to us and just say, when they see our herd of children, they're like, oh, the Lord is so faithful. We prayed so much for that. So. We see that in our journey to become parents. You absolutely did not take for Samuel out of context. <clears throat> you know, God is faithful. And when we get to heaven, there's going to be a whole bunch of stuff where we thought he didn't show up, where we thought he didn't do what he said he was going to do. And I guarantee you, he will have done everything that he said he was going to do. So <clears throat> let me close in prayer and give thanks. Thank you for sharing those testimonies. Those bless my soul. And I know they blessed others here as well. God, you are faithful. Uh, Lord, please forgive us <clears throat> for demanding that you do things our way and in our timing. Lord, how many times you've been accused of being unfaithful? Lord, when nothing could be further from the truth. And so God, in story after story, you've been faithful. And Lord, there's a lot of pain in these stories and there's a lot of hurt. And God, we've heard uh, from some who are on the other side and able to see, God, your faithfulness. And so for those who are currently in the middle of it, doubting, I don't think old faithful is going to go off. I don't think this is going to work. Lord, would you just use these stories and these passages to encourage our hearts? God, that you can't not do what you said you're going to do. And so for those who are here today who need you to supply their every need, Lord, for those who are here today who need you never to leave them or forsake them, Lord, for those who are here today who need you to not let them be shaken. Lord, for those who need this promise that your peace that passes understanding will guard in their hearts and mind and protect them. Lord, for those who are here this morning and need to know uh, that tomorrow, Lord God, you will be waiting to take them through whatever is waiting for them. Lord, would you remind them that you are a faithful God. You do what you say you're going to do. 
And so God, thank you that we can celebrate your faithfulness today. We pray this in Christ's name, amen. All right, we have a little break and then our mission speaker is on at what time? Okay, five to 10, you're gonna, eight minutes, 11.10, back here to start, 11.10. So have a little break and then come on back at 11.10.